Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Lord be on our mind, be on our be on our hearts. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards, changed his mind and went. A man came to the other son and gave the same order. And he said, Yes, sir. But did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, the first. And Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yes, even when you saw that, you did not later change your mind and believe in Him. The Gospel of the Lord. Again today, we're going to talk about sin, what the readings are talking about, but again, let me re-emphasize in case I might later sound too harsh, that the reason why we talk about sin is not so that we get everyone to follow the rules and be like robots, it's because Sin separates us from the fullness of the love of God, the grace, the Holy Spirit that God wants us to live in, the treasures of heaven given to us in Christ Jesus. And when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. And God wants to be close to us. So, first reading says some very basic things. There's a context to the first readings of the prophet Ezekiel that I don't think I need to go into. Because of the context, though, the prophet's going over some of the basics. He says that if the first does good work all their life and then suddenly turns away from God, that they do not enter the kingdom of heaven, they are not no matter how many good works they've done. Said in another way, this is terrible. Led Zeppelin, you can't buy a stairway to heaven. Right? It's an ancient thing within the Christian church. Are we saved by works? The answer is no. All our good works won't save us. However, our good works really do a lot of good, and we should do them, but ideally, they flow from a heart that's perfectly open to doing God's will. And that's what Jesus is getting at in the second for the gospel. That 
one who follows God is one who does God's will. And God's will is that we do good deeds for one another. But the good deeds are not what earns us salvation. Really, the salvation shows itself in the good work. Make sense so far? And so, one of the lessons that I think is important is that the idea that we can live many years faithful servants doing good and then turn from God, I have seen happen. And it's so sad. But faith is fragile. And we can't simply live on the past and expect that faith to sustain us in difficult times of present and future. We are called and must be diligent about continuing to deepen our faith, to examine our work and try to understand our motives and to try to purify our motives, to do them out of love, not out of desire for appreciation or gratitude or being considered good, etc. And so, to work on our spiritual life is an important part of our Christian lifelong journey. Many of us go to the gym. Many of us spend hours practicing their sports or their music, studying, doing many things of the world to advance our profession. But we don't spend enough time working on our spiritual life. And if I may sidetrack a little bit, one of the things that is really basic to practicing our faith is going to church. And present company excluded, but so many people these days, and I hear it, is, you know, I believe in God, why do I have to go to church? And, you know, I in my life there are times when I didn't go to church. And I learned how valuable it was. And so, God is merciful. God is kind. But you can go to church every single day and not be saved. Just going through the motion, right? The works don't save us. But yet, at the same time, it's hard to imagine someone who truly has God as first place in their life, trying to do God's will, God's will, God, Jesus, who regularly went to the temple, the synagogue on the Sabbath, God, Jesus, who said you should fulfill the command one of which is keep holy the Sabbath, but go much further. The early Christian church, Acts 2, chapter 2, verse 42, the early Christians went to church every day. From the beginning of Christianity, observing the Lord's Day was how people recognized that Christ was in our midst and the church grew. And so it's a good example that, yes, Sometimes we're not in the ideal place. We don't feel like going. But it is virtue and fame, and we teach our children in our youth programs and even families in cafe. We've got to do that. And so the idea is that sometimes people need encouragement, but hopefully the idea is that by doing it, we'll recognize the value. And so practicing our faith is an important part of our life. That's Second, it says, if we've been great sinners and convert, those 
great sins are washed away and we are saved. Right? If our works, good works can't save us, our sins, our bad works, our mistakes can't condemn us either. It's important to recognize no matter what we've done, it's not too late to turn back to God. God loves us. God died so that we can have fullness of life. And it says in the very next passage, verses after this, that God doesn't delight in the death of a sinner, but the conversion so that they may live. And so there is nothing anyone can do that is such a great sin that it separates them from God's love and they can't repent and live from this day forward in the fullness of that love. It is hard. Many people share with me, I've done stuff so bad that I don't think I can be forgiven. That message does not come from God. God died so that all people could be forgiven. And so, that's an important message too. The Gospel, like the first reading, has a context. And I am going to talk a little bit about that context. Jesus has been talking to his opponents, the scribes, the Pharisees, the temple priests, and they have not accepted his divine authority and recognized he's from God. And he's been telling them parables, and he's been giving them riddles and asking them things about John the Baptist, and they refuse to answer the questions. And so he makes today's riddle, today's Parable, very simple, so that they have to answer. Who's doing the will? The first son or the second son? And then when they say the first son, he's basically saying, that's what you're doing. Because Jesus came to forgive everyone, including what the priests and the scribes and the holy people, the good people, thought were the worst of sinners. That is a challenge to all of us, right? Anyone that we might look down on, we shouldn't look down on others, but it's human nature. Those are the people God loves just as much as God loves us. God wants to forgive the greatest sinners. And what does that mean? That if we're going to live in the company of the church or the kingdom of heaven, we have to actually accept people that we might be tempted to look down on. All people have infinite dignity in God's eyes. And all people need forgiveness, and all people are forgiven. But accepting that forgiveness can be tough, like the scribes, the Pharisees, the temple priests, because it's easy to say, oh, I'm not like that person. I don't do that. I'm a good person. We look down on others. So, in other words, Pride can keep us from recognizing our own shortcomings, the times that we fail to fully respond to God's love, and we may not fully accept God's forgiveness. So the antidote to pride is humility. And Jesus, in the second reading of St. Paul, is using Christ as the example of humility. Though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself and became one with us. Being close to those who we look down on. Every human being is humility. 
February Tuesday, we celebrate St. Francis's feast day. I'm a Franciscan. Today, later on, we're going to have the blessing of the animals. St. Francis knew this lesson well. He lived in a world where there were great differences in power. People with great wealth and influence who looked down upon the peasants. And he refused to allow that to happen in his life. And so what did he do? He made a special effort to be in solidarity with the poorest of the poor. He gave away all his money, all his power, all his influence, and lived as a poor person, lived with the lepers and served the lepers because it was the way to keep him humble. It was the way he recognized that all my sisters and brothers have equal dignity in God's eyes and that I am called to serve, to empty myself, to be with those that I was earlier looking down. It's a great change. It's a great example. It's hard for us to fully do, but that is the example God gives us today. To empty ourselves, to be in solidarity with every person, especially that we find it hard to live with or we look down. It doesn't mean we need to condone sinful behavior. But it does mean that we need to still love them and try to show them through that love and our example.